0: I know that it's coming down the path. If I'm gonna live a godly life, I will be persecuted. And I am not only okay with that, to me, that's a badge of honor.
1: It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood from men in the arena it's equipping men in 10 our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood call you out of the faceless nameless bleachers and call you up to be the best version of you because when a man gets it everyone wins enjoy today's
0: episode men in the arena army we We salute salute you you. hey guys thanks for listening to another episode of the men in the arena podcast this is equipping men in 10 and as you heard with our unsynchronized voices. I'm here with Dale Culver. How you doing, man? I felt that was pretty nice. Yeah, I was a little off. I didn't watch your lips this time. I just kind of <laughs> <That's laughs> went good. with the feel. So, <laughs> hey, man, do uh, you got a man law for us today?
1: I do, man. And uh, this one is think about others that are coming behind you. In life, in general, if you have that mindset, everything you do, you think of others that are coming behind you. If you're a dude and you go in and you pee all over the toilet seat, you clean it up because there will be somebody coming behind you. If you have a job, you take care of things so the person coming behind you doesn't have to clean up your messes. Just in life in general, you know, you I'm trying to teach my kids this, hey, the dishwasher's empty. Yeah. Rinse your plate, put it in the dish. Just in life in general, think of others a little bit more.
0: Yeah, it's it's really an honor issue, right? Like right. I would ask my kids, "Hey, if you don't do that, who's going to?" Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, Somebody is. Somebody is, and it's not going to be you, and you're the one that made the mess. And so, and I'm guilty as charged as well. I mean, I do the same thing, it's and it's a constant battle of pick it up, put it away, pick it up. And my wife reminds me, they're really good at that. Well, <laughs> hey, I want to get into a couple things. And uh, first of all, guys, I want to let you know that in late September, we're releasing a book. It's free on our website. It's called Tell Them Things Great Dads Tell Their Sons and Daughters. It's 200 things that I've written. I wrote this when my sons were younger to uh, tell them these certain things. And it has meditative questions. And our digital marketing consultant has done an amazing, masterful job of putting this together. This is an amazing resource. We'd like to put it into a calendar or something someday. But right now, we're going to offer it for free. We just want to get you guys over there and equip you guys because you are the heroes in the story. So make sure you go check that out. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure you take our assessment It's also free online, and then sign up for our program. Our program is uh, to be part of one of our five fall cycle virtual teams that are launching this fall with our national team captains. And, guys, this is something that you just need to do. It is the most important part of you becoming your best version with getting around guys that you can rub shoulders with. So, hey, I want to get into the meat of the podcast right now, and uh, this is uh, the next chapter in my book that's going to be released in June called The Full Capacity Man, and this chapter is called The Protector, and the subtitle of this chapter, I love it, it's called Never Pick a Fight, Finish It. Now, I want to tell you this real quick. This is based on 1 Timothy 3, verses 2 through 3 that says, Now the overseer... Is not violent in the New American Standard. We use a different word, and the word is pugnacious in the King James Version. It says to not be a striker. So, we're going to unpack this, but I want to review real quick with you when we wrote this book. What we did was we took the original Greek because when Paul lists these 20 qualities, he does so in the context of a few verses in First Timothy and Titus. And so he just goes through these one-word descriptions and some of these words are translated similarly in other verses. So so what we've done guys is we have taken all of these words, dissected them like a biology student into the original Greek and really tried to distinguish that and we put a positive spin on every word because not every description is positive. For example, on this one, Today it says not violent. Well, that doesn't say a whole lot. So what is the opposite of that? What is the positive side of not being violent? And we believe from the original Greek it actually is to be a protector of those who are the recipients of the bully or the violent person. And then we wanted to create a memorable subtitle so you can put your teeth into this chapter. And so we want to give you a subtitle that would really cause you to think. And so we went with... Never pick a fight. Finish it. So let me walk through this. So I don't know if you know this, but our organization, Men Arena, is named after a speech given by former president of the United States, Teddy Roosevelt, in Paris, France, around 1910, called the Citizenship in a Republic. Teddy Roosevelt was a devout Christian man. According to Christian Reznor, quote, about Roosevelt, he said, quote, religion was as natural to Mr. Roosevelt as breathing. As a young man attending Harvard University, he was a Sunday school teacher, and one day when he was teaching Sunday school, a young boy came in with a black eye. Roosevelt asked him how he got the black eye, and the little boy said, hey, before he came over to church on his way to Sunday school, he saw a bully picking on his sister. So they got in a fight, and, he, and the bully gave him a black eye. Well, Teddy Roosevelt, when he heard this, he gave the boy a dollar. Well... Word quickly spread, the superintendent found out, and quickly removed Teddy Roosevelt from Sunday school class. He never taught again. (laughs) So what would you have done in that situation if you think about it, guys? You know, the Bible says, Jesus said, If anyone causes these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and thrown or drowned in the depths of the sea. That's Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. In Proverbs 31, we read, Open your mouth to the, for the mute, for the rights of the unfortunate. Open the, your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. And I wonder if God was joking when he said, Quote, Defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and oppressed, rescue the weak and needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. In Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4. So, so I'm wondering where the church stands when it comes to being protectors. Did God change his mind? Did God change who he is, according to 13, 8, Romans or Hebrews 13.8? We know he hasn't. So we live in this world of New Testament Christianity that says we should turn the other cheek, that we should extend grace. And I think sometimes it's time to extend more than grace. Sometimes you have to extend the hand of grace, sometimes you have to turn the hand over and give them the backslap of wrath. <laughs> and, and And when we look at this chapter... I believe the the violent person, the violent people that Paul was speaking out against, are what we would call today our bullies. So now, one of the translations for nonviolent says not being a striker. Now, Dale, when you think of the word striker, what do you think of? Anything?
1: I think of the striking of the hand,
0: like. So I, we just had Matt Hughes on our podcast. He was a striker. who was one of the greatest fighters in, in UFC history. So the first time I ever watched UFC was in 2005, April 15th. I was invited over to a buddy's garage where a bunch of us were watching the UFC 52, which was the, uh, the final, the third and historic bout between light heavyweight champ Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell. Liddell knocked Couture out in the first round, stealing the light heavyweight title and defeating Couture for the second out of three times, solidifying him as one of the greatest strikers in UFC history. So when I think of striker, that's what I'm thinking about as a violent person. Now, we live in a day and age, and we've talked about this, how soft we are. We live in a day and age where people don't strike with their fists most of the time, most of the time they're striking with their words. They're striking with their political views. They're striking with their, you know, we've got a, a lot of persecution around those who are not vaccinated by those who are vaccinated. We have all of these people striking out and lashing out. They're bu- using bullying tactics. So the Greek word here for violent is plektes. It's mentioned only two times in the Bible— And both of those are in the pastoral epistles, and they they are translated either in the New American Standard as pugnacious, which is a word we never use today, or violent in the NIV, or striker in the King James Version. As we learned as we learned before, uh, the, the striker uses violence on weaker individuals to make his point. Essentially, he is a bully. Commentator Adam Clark defines Pleak as this. He must not be a striker, not ready to strike a person who, has, who may displease him, no persecutor of those who may differ from him. And Paul Coughlin defines bullying. I love Paul. He's a friend of ours. He has an organization called The Protectors. He wrote No More Christian. Nice guy. Paul wrote this. The repeated superior power over a child, deliberately intending to harm that child for no justifiable reason— It is a victimization without provocation. This power can take many forms, such as physical, social, and economic, but most of the time, this is important, it is verbal and designed to harm a child socially through humiliation, isolation, and threat of further abuse. So when we wrote this chapter, Dale, we wrote it to describe the bully, whether that's a coward on the Internet or whether that's a... uh, a pulpit bully, you know, trying to lord it over his parishioners, or whether it's a political bully, trying to shame those that don't believe a certain way, you know, this is what we're talking about. So when I was a kid, my dad told me I was the oldest of three children. I was bigger, I was stronger, I was faster. Uh, My brother was younger and smaller and weaker. My sister was obviously younger and smaller and weaker. And my dad said something to me. I was probably four years old, Dale. He said, I don't ever want you to fight. I was big and strong. I was bigger than all the kids in the neighborhood, I don't ever want you to fight another kid, but if anybody ever bothers your brother and sister, I want you to defend them. Mm-hmm. And uh, no long, no later. sooner had he said that and a couple months later, this coward in our neighborhood, Ricky Little, the coward committed suicide when he was a junior in high school. He was picking on my brother and made my brother cry. So, I mean, I started chasing him, and he saw the fury in my eyes. I caught him at the porch of his house, popped him right in the nose, bloodied his nose, went into my house. As soon as I walked in the house, the phone rings. Ricky Little's dad, who's a sheriff's deputy, called, and my dad said, hey, good job in hitting him. He deserved it. Now you need to go apologize. (laughs) So I remember going over to his house. Ricky was wearing a white T-shirt. He had blood all over his T-shirt, and I had to apologize to his scary dad wearing his deputy's uniform. Uh, I got in one more fight. Uh, A couple years (laughs) later, a kid named Nicky Massman was picking on my my brother, and I punched him in the face, and I bloodied his nose. And I actually have pictures of that still, I think. And I never have punched another man since. You know, since I was probably seven or eight years old, and never have had to. But what I'm saying is it was very clear to the world that I lived in that you do not touch my brother and sister, that weaker people do not get bullied. In fact, in my school, I just didn't allow it. I can't stand bullies. And so this is what we're talking about is is def- I, I have a really a passion about this. You know, Paul Coughlin says this he says, we must transform. Passive witnesses into courageous protectors. And this is the problem in the church. We use our faith as an excuse for cowardice. Mm. So I want to talk about something here because one of the most out-of-text passages that I hear people use is the words of Jesus. You know, Jesus said... You heard it said in Matthew, or Matthew five thirty-eight through forty-two, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone wants to sue you or take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile with him, go two. Give to him who asks you, and do not turn away from whom wants to borrow from you. Man, that's a perfect recipe to become a victim. And I just don't think this is what, when you take the Bible in its entirety, you can't, with any sort of education, take this as literally be a victim and let people push you around. So here's what I've come up with, and here's what I believe. You know, John MacArthur writes this. Probably no part of the Sermon on the Mount has been more misinterpreted than this passage. It has been interpreted to mean that Christians are to be sanctimonious doormats. It has been used to promote pacifism, conscientious objection to military service, lawlessness, anarchy, and a host of other positions that this verse does not support. You know, this is the same Jesus who said in Matthew ten thirty four, Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So here's my thought, Dale. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, it says, For the godly in Christ shall be persecuted. Now, I welcome persecution. I invite persecution. I know that it's coming down the path. If I'm going to live a godly life, I will be persecuted. And I am not only okay with that, to me that's a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. To die for my faith, you know, people cry out, Oh, we need to bring prayer back in schools. No, we don't. We need to make prayer illegal so that true Christians will stand up for their faith. Stop making Christianity easy. The church has never grown that way. Tertullian, back I think in the 3rd century, said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Mm -hmm. So if people are going to persecute me, I will gladly, joyfully glorify God in doing that. Now, that being said, God has also called me to steward my resources, to steward my time, to steward my talents, to steward my um, time, talents, and resources. And then he's called me to steward my body, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is very clear that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and we just steward them well. That being said, I will steward my body when somebody comes to violate me. <laughs> I will not allow somebody to violate my body, and I will not allow someone to violate the body of a person who is weaker than that bully. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I have a biblical mandate to steward God's temple, mine, and to steward the temple that God has given others, their bodies. So that being said, I will not turn my cheek when I see a bully. I will not turn the cheek when somebody violates me for non-religious reasons. I will not turn the cheek. And I know that that flies in the face of a lot of denominations out there, a lot of Christian beliefs, but I believe that Jesus underwent persecution with joy and obedience, and that's exactly what we should do but we are not to, in my opinion, from what I see in all of the Bible, not just one verse, sit on our hands while we watch somebody violated who can't defend themselves. Right. Nor will I sit on my hands if somebody comes after me to violate me for non-Christian reasons. Does that make sense? totally. So that's what I believe, and when we look at the protectors, that is what we're saying. We're saying, guys... We need to rise up against those people who are going to be violent and to violate and to bully those we love, those who are lesser and uh, weaker and helpless, and we are to stand up. You know, Edmund Burke once said that evil prevails when good men do nothing, and that is the heartbeat of this chapter. So, Dale, what's up next, brother? Take us home. Yeah, guys, want you to
1: head on over to meninthearena.org and find some of our free resources to invest in yourself. You will also find some amazing swag to rep this amazing ministry to men. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and
0: be a protector.
1: Everyone wins.